after that, I didn't hear from him ever again. I kept sending messages on Halloween, of course, because we always trick-or-treated together as a family. It was a great big deal to us. And uh, we just always do it. No answer. November 3rd, no answer. November 7th, no answer. Calling these friends, no answer. Warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. Missing Kevin K. Jackson, Part 1. Hello, welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. I am Wendy. And I'm David. And we have with us today Miss Sharon Lathrum. How are you today, Miss Sharon? I'm fine. How are you? We're good. Thank you so much for being here with us. We're here today to talk about your missing son, Kevin Jackson, who went missing in the fall of 2018. So why don't you tell us just a little recap before we dig into Kevin's story? Uh, yes. Kevin went missing uh, late October, early November of 2018. Uh, we're not exactly sure of the circumstances of his uh, disappearance. Uh, he had uh, told his friend he was going to another friend's house. Uh, that friend confirms that he was there. Uh, but he was never seen after that. Um uh, his child was uh, left with some friends that we don't, the family didn't know, um, and no one's ever seen or heard from him again. Wow. Kevin was 25, right? 25. 25. Yes. Well, why don't you start? Let's just start from the beginning of Kevin's life. He was born April 14th of 93. So, won't you tell us a little bit about Kevin and what led us up to the point some 25 years later of his disappearance? easy to talk about Kevin. Um, Kevin was born April 14th, 1993. Chips was on the TV in the delivery room, and he was the easiest baby to deliver. The doctor almost didn't make it. Kevin wouldn't let us know in the ultrasound what he was because he was stubborn from the very beginning. And when he was born, he was hand-first, and the doctor said, that's a gimme hand. That's a girl. But he was a boy. And I was thrilled. He was my only son. And he was my heart. He was rambunctious and stubborn and smart. I woke up one morning. He wasn't even walking. He was just crawling. He had managed to get out of his crib. And he had took a fork and stuck it in our electric socket. Oh, my God. And fallen asleep beside it. As I woke up, I thought, oh, my Lord, he's dead. <laughs> Another morning, I woke up, and he was on top of the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, my. He, he had opened the drawers, back at his stairs, to go on up. As he got older, his personality 
just continued to shine. Cowboy boots, shirts, and shorts, and a mullet. And he was happy. <laughs> he loved cars. He had a go-kart. <laughs> he didn't want to take his sister on a ride. So he'd go to the end of the street and punch it real quick and knock her out. <laughs> oh, Lord. He was always able to get past us. He was so smart, so very smart, and almost impossible to discipline. There was nothing we could do to contain Kevin. We would take everything out of his bedroom, no toys, no TV, nothing. He would hide stuff in the light plates. (laughs) (laughs) A creative boy. He was... I had four brothers, and we weren't that bright, and we were pretty devious, so that's off to him. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, you could not, you could not contain him. But he would often get in my room, and if he wanted, you know, money or anything, we had trouble. We had trouble with him always, not always, uh, you know, staying out of other people's things. We had trouble with that from the beginning. Kevin had like an attitude that if it's in this house, it belongs to me. And he was so cute. It was really hard (laughs) with those green eyes and that blonde hair. And I just loved him. And he was with me just all the time. Uh, So when he got into school, we started having problems because Kevin didn't like school, and he didn't want to sit down, and he definitely didn't want to, you know, (laughs) read and write. Reading was the toughest thing. He could do it, you know, but he didn't want to. So Kevin developed this uh, way of passing school. He didn't do homework all year, but boy, by gosh, he could pass any test you gave him. Well, you know, (laughs) I was putting together that what I'm hearing is uh, a super smart guy. And you know what they say, you know, the good thing about having a smart child is that they're smart. And the bad thing about having a smart child is they're smart and and he's super curious. Uh, So clearly he could pack that information away. But like you said, maybe he just maybe it maybe it wasn't challenging enough for him. School was not. That's that's what I'm putting together. No, it was not. And uh, uh, when he was 16, he had a son and that was his greatest joy. And oh, what a father he was. He got a, um, a job in an apartment right away. And, um, he, he loved that little boy with all his heart. I couldn't believe what a good daddy was because he was, you know, a little bit of a difficult child, you know. He ended up not graduating. He stayed up many nights with his boy, and his girlfriend had uh, special classes to help mothers graduate, but there wasn't anything for fathers. And although I threw a fit about it, tried to get him help, there was none. And we sat in the auditorium, and he cried. But by golly, he was my kid. That's the same thing I did when I was in college, like before the end of spring, and that's what he did as well. Went and got his GED, scored him just out of the ballpark on the test, and, and got a, a scholarship, and he started school. 
He didn't finish, but he started several times. And, uh, he started, he started smoking weed probably when he was like 11. He was uh, snagging people's, you know, weed out of their, um, personal things. We had a 10 year old, his 10 year old birthday party, 11 year old. Uh, one of the neighbors, uh, called and said that he had stole their marijuana and uh, their girly magazines. I guess he was going to have a really good birthday party. And so <laughs> there it really began with that kind of stuff. He um, he really, you know, like I said, couldn't be contained. Uh, once he started with that, and he drank. That's pretty much all he did when he was young. Then it started with the pills. And that's really all he did for the longest, longest time. Um, a few years later, uh, a daughter was born. Uh, she was not biologically Kevin's, but she was his son's sister. And so he decided that he was going to raise her as his own. And that was the kind of guy Kevin was. When he became a dad, uh, and, and again, you know, one thing you said that is interesting that I'd never thought about before is I'm not aware of any kind of classes for young fathers either, which would be... I hadn't uh, thought of that either until know, she said exactly. it, and I was like, wow. There's because, a lot of prep in high school for young women, it, yes, which is Yes, and which there's is even great. a school in Lexington for the girls to go to while their children stay uh, off Cisco Road right. over there. Uh, their children, they provide childcare, and the girls take classes to finish their high school. But I, as you said that, I thought, you know, I don't recall seeing any boys in that. Mm-hmm. And there's really not. Did did you see a change though? Did he did he mature some with that? Because it sounds to me like he's embracing that whole thing of fatherhood. Oh yeah, did, yeah. it sounds wonderful. I mean, he, and then he still smoked weed, I think. Uh, and he he still was going down a path, uh, but he worked. He had his house. He kept his house. He kept he kept it clean. Him and his girlfriend, they. They had problems often, and they would break up, and uh, she would see other people, and they would get back together. So they had those kind of problems quite often. But as far as fatherhood, <laughs> he he had that down pretty well, you know. It his, sounds like he embraced it. Oh, sounds oh. like he embraced it. His son idolized him, and he idolized his son. and They were together all the time. And most of the time they were with me. They lived with me. Um, most most of Kevin's adult life, he was kind of a mama's boy, I think. He was kind of a mama's boy, I think. And his son, he liked his Nana, too. Things started taking a turn for the worse. When Kevin started smoking meth. We'll be back after a quick break. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. 
Do you remember that moment when you found out he was doing that? Well, I didn't. I can recall the moment when I saw the change. Uh, we were living together. I was working two jobs. Uh, Kevin, just his attitude, he backed me into a corner and was yelling at me, wanting money for rent. That I just have never, never, he would never talk to me that way. And he apologized later, but there was just a, a mean spirit to him that had never, ever been there before. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something. And things got worse for both of us. And they closed the restaurant I worked at, and I became homeless. And he had already been homeless. He hadn't. He had worked at Jim Beam, and he lost his job, and they lost their housing. And uh, um, started seeing someone else. Kevin started using heroin as well, shooting both of them up. So he started hanging around um, with some really unsavory people, really unsavory people that um, I would, <laughs> people I couldn't imagine. Some of, some of these people I knew and some of them I didn't, but the ones I knew, <laughs> if he, if I had known he was around those people, gosh, so... Those things go hand in hand, and and I think that uh, when we talk about when something when somebody goes missing or when they're harmed, and we've talked on the show before about what we call victimology, is that really learning what uh, walk people were walking is is critical because that that's where the information might lay one day. So thanks for being candid about that. And you know, I don't think any of us in our families are immune to that. I know that. Uh, I've dealt with it in my family before, and I lost my youngest brother to an overdose about three years ago in Louisville. So we're not immune to those challenges at all. Well, we often say it knows no boundaries as far as... Uh, Socioeconomics. Yes, right. or, or race or gender or anything. Right. I myself am a recovering drug addict, so it doesn't... Now, I mean, I don't want to sit up here and not say that mm -hmm. because that's horrible. It would be horrible with me. I'm a recovering drug addict. So it, it does no, 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 no bounds. And that I'm sure was probably a contributing factor with Kevin is in our genes. That's you know? a high likelihood, too. Yeah. Thank you. That's a high so, likelihood. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was, I'm a recovering drug addict, too. So he, you know, he, he struggled with that just like I struggled with it because it was in my genes as well. It's um, it's not always an easy road, and I can't, I'll never. And like I said, if if what we went through can help even one person, one mother, one mother not to go through what I'm going through, because what I'm going through is a nightmare. I don't want anyone to go through this. I don't want anyone else's son to get addicted to heroin or meth. I don't, I don't want, you know, well, so he, he started hanging out with these people 
And I mean, everybody that would see him would say, Sharon, I saw Kevin and he didn't look good. And those people he were with, they didn't look good either. And I got a bad feeling about him. I just didn't like it. I know. I don't like them either. They're weird. And they were. And they were just dirty looking. You know? Just dirty looking. Slimy. Like they didn't take a bath. And uh, so it went. He decided, you know, him and his son ended up living with these people. And, and they seemed to really love Kevin and his son. So we thought that they were good. And they they did lots of stuff, really, for for them. Were you still seeing Kevin at this time? Yeah. Visiting? And- yeah. He was coming to Charlie's every Wednesday for Free Pie Wednesday in hugs and usually 20 bucks. So he <laughs> was there every week religiously. Were you suspecting he was still using at that time? Oh, he was you, definitely. He was? He was definitely. Yeah. Um, when I would get hotel rooms or whatever, when I was able to get hotel rooms, he would always come. Um, and there was times he would, you know, lay in there, dope sick, you know, and it would just break my heart. I'd cry. Um, gosh, it was horrible. But at least I knew he was, you know, safe the night that he was with me. Uh so once he was with them, he wasn't on the street, but he he would come stay with me. And I just didn't like those people. They seemed to be just a little too involved with my grandson. You know, Interesting. They they wanted to do so much, and then comes. In the spring, summer, before Kevin went missing. Kevin really kind of started to withdraw from me. He wasn't coming around as much. He still came around, and he still talked to me, but just not as much. And uh, I'd taken my focus off of Kevin for a while. Before I knew it, I, you know, it was getting close to, to his son's birthday, and I hadn't heard anything, you know, and it's his birthday. I do, you know, it's his birthday. What, what, what's going on? And I kept trying to call his friend where they were staying, and I wasn't getting an answer, and I thought, hmm. Hmm. So I kept trying Kevin, and I wasn't really getting an answer. That was Terribly unusual. Finally, his friend calls, and we have quite a heated discussion. I was at work, and it wasn't pleasant. And uh, she ended up hanging up on me. Kevin called me, talked to me. I asked what was going on with, you know, the grandbaby's birthday. I don't know, Mom. I'll let you know. On on the birthday, I called, what, what's going on? Mom, I don't know. They won't even let me see him. What are you talking about they won't let you see him? I don't know, Mom. I love you. I'll call you back. 
Real quick, they, you're talking about that crew of people that you yeah, really that had been staying me. with. That he'd been staying with, that gotcha. people were talking about grimy. I was like, what do you mean they won't let you near him or see him? And he said, I'm just having a real hard time with this, Mom. I don't know what to do. I'll call you back. And in the meantime, Kevin had asked if uh, he would get an apartment, if I would keep his son while he went and got clean. He wanted to get clean. He had applied to college again. He was trying to get himself to de- together. He was doing a good job. He he really wanted to do that. So what he was doing at this point, it was just kind of weird. It didn't make no sense. And he was such a great guy. You know, uh, he's the kind of guy... That I was raining outside my work one night, and one of the waitresses' cars was messed up. Drive shaft wouldn't wouldn't work. He hopped out of the car, got underneath hers, puddle puddle of water, fixed it. She wanted to give him money. He was homeless. She wanted to give him money, and he wouldn't take it. And told her to just go on and get the kids to bed. He was a good guy. Anybody that you talk to will say that my Kevin was a good guy, the kind of guy who will always lend a helping hand when you need it. Kajax. They call him Kajax. I love that. Justice for Kajax. He was sweet and kind. So he wasn't staying with these people at this moment when he was fixing the car. He had left. Or did they ask him to leave, or do you even know? No, this was around the same time. Yes, he was still he was still staying there on and off, uh, but he had when he was fixing the car. Right after it was like eight, uh, his son's birthday was on was about ten days before he uh, went missing. Um. So it was about three or four days. No, it was seven days after his son's birthday was the last time I talked to him. And he was staying with a new friend who wasn't staying where he'd been staying. But they still had his son. His son was staying there until he could find somewhere to go. Did you ask him why he didn't take his son with him when he went to the new place? Because they didn't have room. It was just an efficiency. I see. And they had more room for him, and he had been used to staying there. We, I didn't know <laughs> the spectrum of what was about to happen. So that was uh, October 26th. Um, October 30th. After that, I didn't hear from him ever again. I kept sending messages on Halloween, of course, because we always trick-or-treated together as a family. It was a great big deal to us. And uh, we just always do it. No answer. November 3rd, no answer. November 7th, no answer. 
calling these friends, no answer. Did you ever go by their, their home, these people? Yeah, knocked on the door, no answer. Finally, on November 11th, a friend answers, the friend that they'd been staying with, work, his son, but mm-hmm. saying, answers the phone and said that she had not seen either one of them since Halloween. The child or Kevin? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, what do you mean you haven't? seen them since Halloween, that they were there Halloween and that they had left and that she had never seen them again. So it was that time that I decided it was time to file missing persons reports on both of them. Hey, you know there's more to the story, so go download the next episode like the true crime fan that you are. The Murder Police podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform, as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com, where you will find show notes, transcripts, information about our presenters, and a link to the official Murder Police podcast merch store, where you can purchase a huge variety of Murder Police podcast swag. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which is closed captioned for those that are hearing impaired. Just search for the Murder Police Podcast and you will find us. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Make sure you set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.